Hello everyone, welcome to Narcissism Recovery Podcast, produced by the Magnolia Healing Center. I'm your host, Yitz Epstein. In this podcast, we will be delving into topics related to narcissistic abuse, codependency, childhood wounds, childhood trauma, mental illness, and all things narcissism. The purpose of this podcast is to bring widespread awareness and healing to the global epidemic of narcissism and codependency. It is my hopes that with this podcast, we can collectively create an environment of health and healing for you, the individual, and for the world at large. Let's begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I'm going to be sharing my personal story of recovery from narcissistic abuse. And I wanted to do an episode to express some of the things that I've gone through and some of the ways in which I've been able to overcome my traumas, my wounding experiences, and uh, and heal. And the intention behind this episode is to resonate my story with you, the listener, and you know the hopes are to help you feel less alone and feel more understood and ultimately to inspire you to go inward and heal. And then by doing so, you'll be able to really overcome your past pains, traumas, tri- uh, tribulations, and, and heal uh, much in the way that I did. So I was raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I was raised in an Orthodox Jewish home. I was one of eight children, uh, two older sisters, five younger siblings, four girls, and a, and a brother. So six sisters total, and I was the golden child in my family of origin. And you know, in the religion that I grew up in, in the gr- religious group that I was raised in, um, there was it was quite palpable that the masculine was the dominant one and because i was a boy i was masculine right um i was treated in that way so i do believe that that had something to do with the fact that i was the golden child in my family and ultimately the girls in my family were were seen as second class were seen seen as less than so right off the bat i was the gifted child i had a lot of talents a lot of skills and because i was male i was very much put on a pedestal and i was in essence, the the job that I had and the role that I had in my family of origin was to make my family look good, like any uh, golden child would in their in their narcissistic dynamic. So, as a child, I was extremely intimacy and loved, starved. I would say rarely were my emotional needs met, and the only time that I was given the things that I needed—attention, adoration, appreciation—you know, unconditional love. Um, was when I was, in fact, making my family look good, you know, specifically my mom, uh, how I would make her look and appear in the eyes of the public. So I learned early and often that who I was was really not valued and not appreciated, not even really seen. And the only thing that mattered was on the outside, the appearances and what I can do for other people. So as any narcissistic parent would, my mom leaned on us as children to meet her emotional needs. You know, her husband was entirely emotionally absent And he had a great heart, you know, sweet, kind, loving, you know, extremely deep and and very sensitive person. But he got just steamrolled by my emotionally bullying and frankly, man-hating mother. And um, because I was the next quote-unquote man up, right, I was the first boy, um, I became my mom's emotional spouse. And I took on all the rage and the hate and, and abuse that my mom felt towards men. You know, most of, most of, mostly because her own dad was in fact controlling and narcissistic. So 
there I was just taking it all on to absorbing all this negative uh, treatment. And ultimately I became a, a, a little bit of a spouse, <laughs> spousified by my, by my own mom. So, you know, in my family of origin, there was never really any physical abuse, no controlling uh, behaviors in that way. Um, nothing was really overt. A lot of it was mental, like emotional and spiritual. And in that way, it was very, everyone suffered, but there was really nothing to show for it. There's no real um, traumas necessarily overt. Uh, so unless you've experienced this experience where you're in a family where the, there's like enmeshment and ultimately because my mom was leaning on me as the emotional partner, really all of us, but me specifically, and I stepped up to the plate, you know, as the golden child to try to meet those unmet needs. And that's extremely inappropriate um, for many different reasons. And as a child, you're really robbed of your innocence. And this is referred to as covert emotional incest. And it's hard to describe unless you've gone through it, how devastating that is to have a parent just smother you and make you feel like you are only there for them. And in essence, you're robbed of your own existence. And of course, you're robbed of your, um, <clears throat> excuse me, your childhood and you're forced to, to grow up way too soon. So when people ask me, hey, you know, what did your mom do? And it's hard to answer that because it's so subtle and it's very undetectable. And, you know, that being said, it is very intentional and it's extremely, it's extremely real and real. And these wounds are, are very deep and very painful. And, and for the longest time, I only had this confusion, this pain and this inner turmoil to reflect back to me that something was tremendously wrong in my family of origin. And now I'm aware of what it was. And in fact, it's one of the most horrific forms of psychological, spiritual and emotional torture and, and, and what we refer to as narcissistic abuse. And, you know, my mom was like a special kind of dangerous. She was small. She was 4'10", uh, very petite, very cute, very charming, um, and very smart and wildly unassuming. Uh, extremely smart, extremely, like I said, brilliant. And she was very spiritual. So she had almost like a witchcrafty type of type of way of manipulating us. Um, she used every tool in the book to, to control us. Uh, we're talking spiritual abuse, religious abuse, shaming, you know, gaslighting, verbal abuse, intimidation. Uh, triangulation, silent treatment. Uh, needless to say, most of what I know from narcissistic abuse is basically from the treatment that she had towards myself and my siblings as, as, as kids. You know, just to resonate how, how uh, you know, for the longest time I was in denial of what had happened to me, but uh, my sister herself told me that she had never seen a person treated as poorly as I was growing up. So uh, when I heard those words out of my sister, which which actually happened as an adult, um, it just sort of shook me up and be like, you know, this is this is clearly far uh, from normal and from from okay. So because there was no love to go around and really zero attunement, zero interest in our personal development as kids, I knew and intuitively, and I just it was very palpable that at a young age I had to basically grow up and I was on my own. You know, I have to figure out life. No one's going to come and save me. And frankly, no one truly cares or even notices my pain. And in essence, this created a phenomenon where I was forced to grow up too soon. And like I said, I lost my innocence. My youth was just robbed. And it was remarkably painful because ultimately I'm a child, so I'm helpless, but yet I need to grow up. And uh, it created a deep and painful abandonment, a sense of abandonment and abandonment wound. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, there, there's, there's some very strange things that happened to me in my youth and throughout my life. Until recently, I had no explanation for them, and ultimately I kept them inside. I never really shared them with anybody, and I had no explanation, no context for it until I came across the concept of demonic attacks and possession, okay? So there's this concept in spirituality that dark and negative malevolent spirits who themselves 
were, were once people, were once in a, uh, in a human body, they were unable to make peace with their existence. And in essence, um, when they died, they couldn't you know, cross over to the light. And in essence, they're stuck here in the earthly realm. So these are souls of people who were extremely attached to physicality. Perhaps they were famous or wealthy, and they're very attached. They don't want to let go of those things. Uh, they might have been souls that did horrible things to other people, and they felt tremendous hate, which they couldn't let go of. Um, perhaps victims who wanted to stay in and, and take revenge on their on their on their abusers. So some of the different reasons why uh, a soul would be trapped in this dimension and in, in the physical realm. So apparently these spirits are fueled by human consciousness and energy and the the, and the energy of unconditional love. So what they're going to do is they're going to attack wounded children. They attack the weak, the lonely, the broken, the lost, and the the helpless. And the aim is to inhabit their minds and to control the person to take over their consciousness and use their energy for themselves. So based on this explanation, there were several incidents that happened that I can only really explain using this phenomenon. And one of those instances, one of the first instances happened when I was seven years old and my parents decided to send me away to sleepaway camp. And this was in a city called Lackawaxen, PA. So I decided to go, or my parents sent me away for a month and I had begged to go, but ultimately I was obviously too young to know what I was getting myself into and they allowed me to go. Now this summer was remarkably painful and traumatizing since I was obviously only at seven, so just a, ch a small child, and I was at a sleepaway camp with 600 to 700 campers, uh, just a massive campground, and these kids were maybe between the ages of seven and 12. Um, now, one particular incident that I remember on the last day of the summer, which we were going toward the buses, we were loading the, the, the buses to go home, um, there was essentially this stabbing pain in my head. It was really bizarre and it was extremely painful. It was like terrifying and it was very random. You know, I looked around, I didn't see any physical attacks and I was just terrified of what was going on. And now what I understand that to be a demonic attack. Um, now this happened several times throughout my life. This happened at 13, it happened at 17, it happened later at 20. And from what I gathered, these spirits are often souls of past lives who stuck around, like I said, in the in the uh, in the earthly in the earthly dimension, and they actually they haunt their own lineage. So many times, these people are actually people from our own lineage, maybe a grandfather, a great grandparent, who uh, who just terrorizes our, their own uh, their own family. Um, and I actually had one psychic tell me that that I was uh, that I was holding on to, so I was attached to these spirits, who uh, in essence were my own lineage. So. Just, a, just a, a spiritual concept there, and I know a lot of people struggle with those things. And um, you know, feel free to, to to take it with however you wish. But that's that's sort of my interpretation of those very bizarre uh, experiences. Now, I want to make a side note: is that I would I would actually make a strong argument that people who in the psychology psychological community who call narcissists, you know, narcissists uh, in the spiritual community, we're talking about this very concept: somebody who's so wounded and so shame-based and attracts such negative energies and, and negative frequencies that their whole consciousness is just taken over and they're actually not anymore alive in that way. They're actually just to totally possessed by one of these malevolent spirits in human form. So to continue my story, because obviously I was extremely wounded and I attracted all kinds of negativity, toxic people, dangerous situation of all sorts, my life was a living hell. Um, I suffered with tremendous shame, a violent, emotionally violent, inner critic, uh, tons of self-disgust, and uh, a phenomenally low state of consciousness of fear, guilt, 
and, and shame. And I suffered tremendously. And, and several times throughout my life, I desperately wanted to commit suicide. And honestly, the only reason I did not is because I didn't know how to. And ultimately, I didn't actually do it. Um, I would argue that a large portion of the reason I'm alive is because I'm not dead. <laughs> so, which obviously is very tragic and very sad. But um, ultimately, you know, I'm here to tell the tale. So I'm very, very grateful that, that those things didn't happen. Um, and as I entered into, into adulthood, you can imagine... I was profoundly wounded, and as a result of attracting all this dysfunction, I continued to attract dysfunctional and awkward intimate relationships. And ultimately, they were reflecting back to me my low self-esteem, my nearly shattered and destroyed sense of self, and, and a shame-based state of consciousness. You know, throughout my life, I reached out to therapists. I needed help. I knew I wanted help, and I would have done everything to get that help. But everywhere I turned, there was just a lack of satisf satisfaction in the answers that I was getting. Um, not a whole lot of clarity. Um, and a truth of what happened that I was in desperate need of. So after a broken engagement to a much younger girl when I was 23 years old, which was extremely toxic and loaded with codependency, and finally a divorce that happened a few years back at the age of 29, I knew that I had a ton of work to do. So I decided to just pour all of my energy into going inward. And um, I knew that the only chance I had of getting out of this thing and, and understanding it and ultimately healing and, and not being in pain was to go inward and find these answers. Um, no one else had them. So I, I really was down to my, uh, to my last, uh, last leg. So after my divorce, like I said, I engaged on a personal healing journey. You know, I read every book I could possibly get my hands on. I began to explore myself. And armed with the knowledge from the things that I read, I had an extremely strong relationship to my higher self and intuition and a relentless will. I imagine I got that from my narcissistic mother who was also relentless. I was very determined to cut through the, 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 the BS and the deception, the confusion. I was gonna find these answers sooner or later. I was going to heal and, or, if I, or I'd die trying. I, you know, I was all in. So I started to share my insights and downloads that I would get through my higher self continuously on social media. I did that uh, for several years. And then two and a half years ago, I started this podcast um, and ultimately it just blew up and there are so many people, a shocking amount of people who are dealing with this very issue and are also looking for that clarity. And because of which this podcast has gotten to over, uh, close to 400 episodes and we have almost 2 million listens worldwide. Um, and because of that, because of the wild success, um, my wife, Lauren and myself, who by the way, Lauren is the person I was engaged to, or I'm sorry, married to. And then we got divorced at 29. Um, because of my inner chaos and my inability to um, be present and be, be healthy. And that's when I went on my healing journey. And ultimately, we re remarried about a year ago. So um, we created this healing center together, my wife Lauren and I, the Magnolia Healing Center, in essence, to meet the demands of the myriads of different people who are in desperate need of healing from an issue that is very much widespread, but very few understand what it is and, and how to overcome it. And, you know, the MHC, the Magnolia Healing Center, is really just over a year old and we are thriving, you know, continuously growing and expanding. And the intention is to create so much awareness around narcissism and to ultimately give guidance so we can we can heal. You know, a large portion of the reason we struggle to heal uh, from narcissism, from codependency, is because I do believe we fail to truly understand what it is that we're up against and ultimately the pathway to healing. So this is really my life's work and I've devoted my entire existence really to helping people and uh, uh, get through this stuff because you know we've all been through traumas, maybe not as severe or traumatic as, as my own, maybe even more traumatic, who knows? But the point is, is, is that healing is possible and the, the process that I developed 
is essentially what I had to go, what I had to figure out through myself and through learning and um, what I call the, the healing journey. It's essentially years of trial and error and attempts to heal myself and then ultimately working with clients to heal from past traumas and abuse. And I just wrap it into a, a pathway that really opens up the road to health, you know, happiness, to freedom. And uh, this is after feeling stuck and feeling helpless. And suddenly there's hope because you realize that you're not stuck. You don't have to stay in the rut. You don't have to be a victim. Even if you were a victim, you can truly change your life and, and heal. And it's, it's truly miraculous. So to finish off, you know, I'm not trying to share my story to get sympathy. I, I really don't have any interest in that. The, the purpose of sharing my story is to, again, like I said, to resonate and to share. Um, for years, I was tortured. I felt helpless, hopeless. And because of the relentless pursuit and desire and intention to heal, I have been able to develop inner peace, health, happiness. And by the grace of God, I have a beautiful family, a tremendous wife and a little boy who really are my rock. And they support me uh, in a large way um, and in a large reason why I am where I'm at today. And my story is obviously extremely personal, and there's a lot of personal insights here on what I've gone through. Um, those who know me know I'm actually quite a private person. I, I don't necessarily like to share myself, and for years I, I didn't want to. But for so long, I kept my story inside. I kept my deep family secrets in shame, and keeping family secrets will only make it worse, and it nearly killed my spirit. So my hopes and my prayers are that by sharing my story, which is like 100 miles out of my comfort zone, will inspire others to, to do the same. You know, Don't give up hope of one day finding happiness and inner peace and realize that healing is so possible if you have the courage to go inward to face yourself and to correct damage that still lingers from your past. You are not helpless. You are not a victim. And just by the fact that I am here today to tell this tale is living proof. And I hope it's all the proof you need to get inspired and give you hope to realize that you are never, never helpless. And, um, and um, just knowing that you can heal and there's a pathway to do it, um, I hope that it inspires you to, to do that work and change your life and, and develop inner peace. So I want to finish off with a quote. And the quote goes as follows. When you can tell your story and it does not make you cry, that is when you know you've healed. And this is by uh, Unknown. So for years, I could not tell my story. It just was so horrific to look at. But I'm so grateful because today, as I share my story, there are no tears. It is simply me expressing myself. This is what I've gone through. I have nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not embarrassed of my story. This is just things that I had to go through. And because of it, I have become stronger. I've grown. And I'm here to share this story and to inspire others and ultimately help other people heal. And when we face it, when we realize that it's not something to be kept inside, it's not a shameful secret, but rather we should be proud of what we've gone through because of it. We are stronger and more aware, more loving and more sensitive. This is what, this is how we overcome trauma as opposed to hiding it and denying it, which just keeps us stuck. So I want to thank you all so much for being a support to myself and to the Magnolia Healing Center and to this podcast, to being a follower. I'm so deeply grateful to be able to do this work. This is such an honor. And I really hope that, that um, you heal. And I hope that you realize that your healing is not just important for yourself, but for everybody else, for those around you, the more people who heal, the more light that we add into this world, the more the darkness just dissipates. And by sharing your story, you can truly light up the world. There's no question about that. Thank you all so much for joining me for today's episode. Until next time, all the best. Mm -hmm.